Can you sing a song from Goblet of Fire? There are no songs. Yes, from there Goblet. are. Like There's what? one that comes to mind for me. An immediate one? Mm -hmm. It's the one where they're going into the maze. It's like. Do -do. No. Do -do. What? That's Jaws. <laughs> no, it's the one where it's like. Do -do -dun -do -dun -dun. <laughs> I was literally. I was just doing. <laughs> no. <laughs> That was really bad. <laughs> now it's like it's like it's like band marching band music. While I believe you, <laughs> I do not remember it at all. I need to look it up. I really don't think it was that distinctive a musical. It was. It wasn't. It was the first piece. one without John Williams. But oh, what this movie was? Yeah. Wow, you're just slipping in some trivia already. I, know, I like it. I know. You're making the content here incredibly valuable. <laughs> it was, but I, I don't know. I distinctly remember the the fanfare of the going into the maze because it's so sudden when they go into the maze and it's the, it like closes. The maze sequence is very strange to me because there there isn't really much action. I feel like that happens yeah i found it there are dramatic moments that happen oh. but it's really just them against the ferns like compared to the labyrinth oh oh <laughs> that yeah that's yeah i guess that's the fanfare when they're starting out yeah and when they come back i guess from the port key too but oh yeah wait a second am i getting ahead of myself uh, am i dropping little. some spoils kind of Okay. But also, well, let's retract it a little bit. Harry Potter is a little different here. Okay. Are you? I mean, these are Harry Potter rules. Yes. Okay. Well, it's just our Harry Potter episodes are very special. For the Harry Potter games, the rules have been <laughs> temporarily suspended. Yeah, that's why this is one of my favorites. <laughs> well, no, this is my favorite. The GOF movie, movie and book. Yes. Yes. So, so I'm pretty excited because I really enjoyed doing our Harry Potter episodes and this one's my favorite. It took us a little while to get here, but we're finally yes, here and we are going to hit it head force. It's the few episodes where Heike Book Club actually turns into part book club because I come... No, er, you didn't. Yes. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I like to read the book and watch the movie. So I've been reading the books and watching the movies and that's why... There's so much space between our Harry Potter episodes. Exactly. And this is why it's also a really great episode. It's a really great type of show because you have 
one host here, one speaker that only watches the movie, and then you have another that knows the book literature side of it yes. as well, the source material. So we're going to be comparing and contrasting that a whole yeah, lot today. I that's think. very important because there were so many things that <laughs> right. Well, we'll get to so that. many differences throughout the movie. I didn't realize, we'll and get it was thanks to you that I knew that now. So we're yeah, we're going to cover a little bit today. Okay, well, I guess we are <laughs> high key book club. Yes. I'm imagining like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, type of theme music. No, we are High Key Book Club and we are a podcast where we talk about where mo- we, we book club movies and TV shows. Yes. Why didn't you print out my list for me? Sorry. You yeah, I don't have my sides as they would say. <laughs> well, so today we are actually a book club of a book movie, which is really exciting. Yep. And I'm Cameron. I'm Zeleni. And typically on Heike Book Club, we do spoiler free the first half to talk about more production and behind the scenes stuff. But with Harry Potter, again, it's a little different because we are talking about the book and it, it's just more fun. Like there's not that much with production on Harry Potter. It's just more fun to talk about story and comparing the book and movie and how they did things and cool stuff like that. It so, makes sense to switch up the format yeah. for this one. Spoilers ahead. And they're, they're also long movies and long books, so it's better to jump into the spoilers. That's right. You can't say we didn't warn you. Yeah. So there, there'll be spoilers. Also for probably the rest of the series, maybe. Like, as in, we might say things that might happen in later books and movies. Oh, wow. Well, maybe not, because Cameron doesn't know <laughs> a lot of the things. I don't. <laughs> Goblet of Fire was my favorite before I read the books as well, I think. But I did. Def- it was your favorite before you read the books. Oh, be- favorite movie. Okay. Because remember, uh, you did tell us uh, yes. that you watched the movies before reading the books. Yes. Most, in a previous episode. I read the books when I was like 20 or 21 for the first time, and I had seen the movies like when they were coming out. So I definitely saw the movies, and Goblet of Fire is definitely where I started losing track of what was going on. And now reading the book and everything, I see why because of all those stuff left out. So much material <laughs> yeah. pulled out. Mo- mm-hmm. A lot of the bigger context. So I, I think I still really liked the movie Goblet of Fire when, when, before I read the book because I liked Harry's story in it, which in the movies, that's what they focus on completely. But I didn't, I didn't understand any of the setup for the next few movies, you know, that I was supposed to understand. To, you're supposed to get it so that you understand the rest of the whole series like there are important developments that occur in the book before that set up things to come in the yeah. next book especially next especially movie. at the end of goblet of fire it's just like basically the adult stuff we barely get any in the in the movie so it's, it's like a children's version of the book not the- children's I'm, i don't mean adult as in adult themes i mean like what the adults are doing mm. that becomes important in order of the phoenix and then it just builds it's like math so obviously by Order of the Phoenix, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know about you. I feel like you are too. You are still because you haven't read. It's true. <laughs> well, there are just so many characters that don't really get fleshed out. So At I have all. no idea why they're there. Yeah. And what, what's their significance here? So that's why I've been grateful to have you along the way watching at least this one. As I, You help fill in those gaps for me yeah. from the book. I'm trying to help Cameron understand on this go around since the book is so fresh because it's so easy to forget what goes on in the book Mm -hmm. just like a month later you know so i tried to watch the movie right away 
and then explain to Cameron what's going on if there's any gaps, which there's a lot now. Well, so I guess I don't know how you want to start it. Do you want to go over some key characters? Kind of. I mean, I kind of have like a lot of notes and I was thinking of just going through them. I, I think that's probably the best because <laughs> that I don't see they, any other way. They're we not do this. right. They're not super in order, but also most Harry Potter fans are kind of. All uh, over the place? No. Oh, I was what like, the hell? is that what you were trying to say? That's shady. No, I'm saying most Harry Potter fans know what we're referring to mm. or would know what we're referring to. If you're not a Harry Potter fan and you're still listening, then we are sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for following along. It's fine. You it's can not pretend. This is a chance to pretend like you're a Harry Potter fan. It's not Come that, along with the ride. It's not that hard. I'm just saying it, I might jump around a little bit, but I was writing notes as I was reading and as we were watching. Well, I was always daunted by Goblet of Fire as mm-hmm. a, a child uh, because it was, it was the book that I didn't finish. I had gotten through uh, the first three and then stopped. It's long. Yeah. But by the time I guess like chapter 13 or 14, probably like even 18, I was just like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I was like already a more than a quarter through the book and they still hadn't got to Hogwarts yet. I was just Girl, like... Girl, <laughs> I mean, that's just how it is. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? It's just not what, what I was used to from the other books. I guess. In the movies, it's really blazing through. Mm-hmm. Like, I was noticing, but just from where we start, and we're at the World Cup in like a minute. And in the book, it's like, it takes forever to get to the Quidditch World Cup. It takes forever for everything to play out at the World Cup. Takes forever to get to Hogwarts, and you know it's it's a long book. It is. That's why it took me so long. Well, thanks for for going through that. Yeah, I think journey. Goblet of Fire was my favorite because I love like competitive, deathly games. Which is so strange because I don't think you do in real life. No, I definitely don't. I don't like being that per. I don't like being in it. I like spectating. <laughs> what no i just i'm trying to figure it out (laughs) that's all i just love like thought out games Mm -hmm. with competition with people yeah kind of thing like hunger games so i i really like these like deathly spartan type games i like i like the idea of it and goblet of fire has that and i like the drama i feel like goblet of fire is kind of one of the more polarizing Harry Potter books and movie because why I feel like a lot of people hate it. Like it's a lot of people's least favorite and it's a lot of people's most favorite. Okay. So you're either at one end of the spectrum or the other. Yeah. And, and I think I figured out why the same way I was trying to watch Chamber of Secrets and read Chamber of Secrets for why people hate on it so much. Goblet of Fire has a little bit of that hate, not as much, but I think it gets a little hate and I think it's for similar reasons. So I'll point those out. Okay. But I think it has to do again with coincidences in mm. the story. It, and I think it's the story's fault, not the movies. It's hard when you have that much material in one book, you have to weave it all together somehow. Right. And it's, it's not always super coherent or makes sense all the way, you know? So, okay, let's start with my notes. They're all very, <laughs> well written and (laughs) i said vague (laughs) so i was trying to (laughs) speak highly of you (laughs) i think uh so (laughs) in the movie we have cedric played by robert pattinson in his big he was so cute (laughs) in his big screen debut Uh uh-huh and i think what else was he in twilight (gasps) that's what i thought what do you mean were you being sarcastic i thought i was asking you that Oh, wait, wait. Am I confusing it with Monte Carlo? Yeah. Oh. I thought I'd asked you if he was in Twilight and you said no. Why would 
I say no? No, he's like the main guy in Twilight. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's, and this was his debut. Yeah. Oh, cool. This, this was before Twilight. Wow. This is what this got, got him, him Twilight. This, this got him Twilight. Right. It's a big deal. Whoa. Right. He became like his own Harry Potter, kind like, of. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the new like face of a franchise. Yeah. Anyway, Robert Pattinson. I think there's some foreshadowing in that he comes in falling in from a tree. Or maybe that's what got him Twilight because in the in Twilight, he's like up in the trees. Remember? Oh, that's like a big <laughs> montage. He's like, all you got to do is he just points to that one clip and <laughs> says, I am the tree climbing pro. Yeah, I think it's weird that in Harry Potter and Goblet of Fire, he comes in. They go to the port key. That's and how I'm, he's introduced. Yeah. Yeah. They go to the port key in the morning and they find his dad. And then Cedric comes down from the tree, like jumps, just jumps down. And he's like, hey, <laughs> I, I thought that was very Twilight. Now, did they ever talk about Cedric in the, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, yes. Chamber of Secrets? Okay. Because he's the seeker for Hufflepuff. Okay. So Harry plays against him directly mm. in the Quidditch matches. Got it. So that's why they at least... But he's not seen in any of the other movies, No, right? he's not. He, he was technically in Prisoner of Azkaban. The character was because there was a seeker on Hufflepuff and that was Cedric. But was he CGI'd? No. Oh. No, right. there was like just some extra <laughs> guy okay. that played him, but <laughs> this time he was plot relevant, so they got like a fancy actor. I just thought it was funny that he falls from a tree. <laughs> I mean, I didn't laugh when I was watching it, but it is funny. I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the characters they erased in the movie. Okay, yes. From the this book. is important, and only you could fill in these blanks. It's important. Not only me, anyone who read the book. But yes. <laughs> Here, yes. In this room. <laughs> yeah. So this becomes very important because we have, like, the motivations for Barty Crouch Jr. at the end become, they're kind of unclear and you don't have all of the context surrounding him mm -hmm. to him being the bad guy. So I feel like you don't really understand the bad guy situation. I if, completely agree. If you don't read the book. So they erased Ludo... Bagman, who who that? He, he's like the head of sports or something. Uh, oh, and you, I remember you mentioned him. Yeah. How instead Crouch was announcing. And Dumbledore. Yeah. Oh no, they put Cornelius Fudge a lot for Bagman, who's okay. the Minister of Magic Fudge. Right. But in the book, there's like someone in charge of the Department of Magical Sports or whatever, and he naturally. Does yeah, he does the announcing. And he's important because he's a little bit of a red herring. What do you mean by red herring? Uh, like a possible suspect. Oh. Because the Goblet of Fire and, and a lot of these So Harry he's Potter one of those misdirection yeah. guys? Okay. So a lot of the Harry Potter books are, are pretty much mysteries. I see. Honestly, at wow. their core, right? Right. So. They just he, had to simplify it for right. the movie. So he was like a potential like. He's kind of shady, but we don't understand why. It turns out he just has a really bad gambling problem. So he is shady, but not in like Voldemort shady way. Mm. He has a bad gambling problem. They, they have gambling problems in the wizardry world. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's the head of sports. He's like gambling uh, on sports. Yeah. It's, and <laughs> the way he Do people bet on Harry like a lot? He, he did. Uh, uh oh. So he was like, he was trying to pay back the goblins who the goblins are the worst people to like borrow Have money. Debt for, yeah. Uh, Cause they're like intense about money. Whoa. And he was trying to repay his whole debt by betting on Harry and the goblet. And he was kind of trying to help him 
sometimes give him hints, but he was bad at it. He, he never really actually helped. Did Harry help him win any bets? No, I I think he ran because I don't. Oh, because technically Harry and Cedric won, so the goblins were like, no. Harry and Cedric won. You didn't bet on that. Oh. <laughs> it's shady as hell. Ouch. And his plot line is kind of interweaved also with the Weasley twins. because Fred and George Weasley. Really? Yeah, in the book. Because Fred and George, they bet on the World Cup match to, to that guy, Bagman. And they what they bet on happens. And Bagman never pays them. So wait, they bet it on Harry and? No, 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 no. Oh. This is at the World Cup. They oh, bet oh, that okay. Ireland would win, but Crum would get the snitch, and they were right. Okay. So they were they came to collect to Bagman, and he's like a mess and a gambler. So he was like, nope. He had I, nothing or, to. Or he just avoided them, and it had been their whole life savings for their joke shop. So the, the whole book, they're like chasing, trying to chase down Bagman. And they're another kind of like suspect misdirection because the Weasleys are always kind of whispering and we're like not sure what they're doing. Like we don't think they're anything. It's like their side story of yeah. the book. And it's, it's important. What their goal is. Yeah. And it's important for the next ones because they're trying to open a joke shop and crowd or like fund for it. It's cool how thinking about... The novel has all of these different sub characters in them, each of which have their own respective goals. Yeah. I feel like in the movie, though, those are not as defined or nearly as important. It's like they just don't exist because the only goal that's important, according to the movie, is Harry's. Harry's. Because that's all they have time for, really. I mean, I don't blame it. But also reading the book explains a lot about what you see in the future movies. Like when you see the Weasley twins have a joke shop, you understand where it came from mm. it didn't just happen out of nowhere you know mm-hmm. i think that's even in the next one right away i think it is yeah maybe not maybe it's half blood prince i don't remember but it's important because they're chasing down bagman and they're being shady the whole year so there's no bagman in this universe no in the cinematic universe and the last thing about the joke shop harry the last joke on the joke shop it becomes important because harry wins the prize money for the triwizard cup and he's trying to give it away to Cedric's family. He's trying to give it away to the Weasleys. And he's he's like trying to give it away to anyone. Yeah, because like the last person who needs money. Right. He has <laughs> he wins a thousand galleons, which is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, in the wizard world. A galleon's like a lot of money. One. Wow. I think. It's like a thousand dollars. Oh. Or I, no, I don't know, honestly. Uh, so he's trying to give it away to everyone. No one wants it. Everyone's, Nobody wants his money. Yeah, and everyone's like, "No, dear, take it. Like it's yours. You want it." And then he finally gives it to the friend and George, and it's like, "Take it for your joke shop." Oh. And then they're like, "No, you're crazy." Oh. And then he's like, "No, just take it as an investment." And then friend and George are like, "Oh, and like they take it, and that's their seed money." Wow. So. Yeah. Harry is investing. He's such such a smart financier. Right. And we don't see any of that in the movie, obviously. (laughs) But it's just like, it's really cute. I mean, it's sad at the end, but whatever. Okay. Someone else that's not in it is uh, Winky, the house elf. This is the bad house elf? No. That's a creature in later. Mm. You know the the one in the later movies? Mm -mm. The one that's old looking? 
Mm-mm. You don't remember him? He's Mm-mm. in the movies. <laughs> wow. Okay, never mind. Winky is the house elf of Barty Crouch. Okay. The old Barty Crouch, presumably. Right, right. I was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's very, like, entangled in the World Cup shenanigans. Wait, does she elf? Yeah. Oh. Winky. It's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> I assumed it was a boy. No. I assumed it was a male How elf. How do you think they procreate? I did not. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think about it, really. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you should. I guess there would be a female house elf. I just assumed that like they would be, uh, I don't know, some other kind of health elf besides house elf. I don't know. <laughs> Girl, I'm just didn't think about it. <laughs> okay, so Winky is the house elf. And basically, Winky sits behind Harry and the Weasleys at the World Cup. And they watch it. And after that, Harry's wand goes missing. Why does Harry po- Harry's wand well, go Well, we don't missing? know until... They find out who put the mark in the air. Did Winky put it in the air with Harry's wand? Well, they find Winky with Harry's wand, a stunned, like fainted, right. basically. And they do the little spell. KO'd. <laughs> yeah. They do the spell on Harry's wand to priori incantatum. To see its last. To see its last spell. Crime. <laughs> yeah. And that comes back later. Um, wow. It's like. Text, it's like checking the text messages or emails and yeah so. basically <laughs> and it shows the ghost of like the dark mark and they're like harry's wand did it harry did it and then the ministry people are like you're stupid like kids don't know how to put that like it's hard so that goblin was pro- or sorry elf was probably under the impervious spell Im- <laughs> impervious <laughs> impervious <What> cover <laughs> <laughs> Imp- imperious Im- Cause I, I, it's like I know it's not imperial and it's not impervious. It's Im- imperious. Imperious. It's both of them. It's Im- Im- imperio. That's, what that's how you say it. Yeah. Oh, girl, watch out! <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sitting right here. Right. So Zeleny yeah. is well, amazing. We don't. Zeleny is <laughs> the best host ever. Shut up. <laughs> Whoa, what just happened? Oh, my God. <laughs> so we don't know why Winky did it, but people are like, how did, so how did an elf There's a Reddit forum theory channel for why Winky did it? No, she didn't do it. Oh. <laughs> Barty Crouch Jr. did it. Oh. He was under and, an invisibility. And then framed yes. Winky. Basically, Winky was tasked with taking care of Barty Crouch Jr. at the World Cup <gasps> and under an invisibility cloak. He was like trying to run away from her and she was trying to use her magic to bring him back. Wow. But she couldn't. She he overpowered her. Did we and ran die? away. Oh no. She okay. did not. Just she she was freed. So Barty Crouch Senior finds them. He knows his son is probably around in the invisibility invisibility cloak, but he can't say anything because that's illegal. Right. So he's just like, My elf did it. My elf misbehaved and frees winky like gives her clothes oh he does to free her and winky's like devastated devastated like she doesn't want to be freed she's like loves her family oh no yeah poor winky i know it's really sad and that's where also hermione starts trying to liberate house the movement yeah oh society for spew or (laughs) (laughs) society for the protection of elf fish welfare i think that's what I would guess. I don't know. S P E W. So they don't. Then they never reference that at all. No, the series, that's never in the in the movies. Oh, 
Too sad. Kind of, because it's an important, almost flaw of Hermione. Not, it's kind of like a complex issue because house elves don't want, I don't know, it's weird. But there's debate about it, whether Hermione was right or wrong. But most people think she's wrong. Really? Yeah. Is it kind of for taking away the choice from elves? No, for wanting to free them when they don't want to be freed. Mm. Like, they're different creatures. They're not humans. I don't know. It's weird. But anyway, Winky plays a part in sort of giving her those ideas. And she figures out that Hogwarts has elves working there. That's what keeps it clean. Did you know that? No. That Hogwarts employs Those are the janitors? Yeah, and the cooks. Oh. They cook all the stuff from the Great Hall. But they're not slaves, right? Like a house they elf are. would be, right? A ser- so Hermione's like betrayed by Hogwarts when she fi- finds this out because she's like, how dare they not tell me they have slaves here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining reading the books and she is seeing them finally and we never get to see that in the movies. Like, right. We never see the house elves cooking and cleaning hogwarts right there's probably moments though in the books where she sees them right in hogwarts so she comes she stumbles well, across them no because oh. they're supposed so, to be very hidden but they they go visit them in the kitchens because dumbledore gives jobs to dobby and winky oh, i want to see the kitchen house i know scene. right me too i know it's there it's a deep cut somewhere i don't think so that would be a lot of cgi because there's a be. ton of elves <laughs> That's why they were just like, we got to scrap this yeah, whole elf thing. thing. I know. But that's one of, actually, <laughs> that's a good point. That's one of those scenes. Trade out elves for dragons. Yeah. That's one of those scenes that I really wish we had seen cinematically. Seeing the kitchens and the elves working there. That would be so cool. And they're all super nice. They like give them food. It's so cute. I mean, if they could do Yoda, <laughs> why can't we get a kitchen of elves? Because that's a hundred times Yoda. <laughs> but I mean, why they visit is because Dumbledore gives a job to Dobby and Winky, a paying job, because elves don't find work that's paid because they're house elves. They're expected to be slaves. So Hogwarts, because Dumbledore's progressive, is one of the few places that they can find paying work. And, and Winky finds it like insulting to get paid. Complex. Yeah. <laughs> Very complex. Very weird creatures. It's very interesting because it's a layer of commentary on slavery in a way. Kind of, but also confusing because they're creatures. just social roles. Oh, and also kind of like animals or like other beings a little bit because they're not human. So it's like. But they can talk and they're capable of love and education. And magic. They have magic. I don't know, girl. It's weird, but. Winky's not the fish in, in there. my fish tank have families don't mean I don't eat them. No. You eat your fish? <laughs> if I had a fish tank of fish, maybe. You would eat it? I mean, if you they were good fish. You don't eat those fish. They're tiny. No, but if, I mean, like, if I had a garage with a giant fish tank, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what, or a pond and a farm. <laughs> you would eat, like, koi fish? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, no. But I bet the Weasleys have some kind of fish pond. No, they don't. Oh. Do they eat fish in the wizarding world? Probably, yeah. Why wouldn't they? Uh, I mean, maybe they have some other... Do you think they eat unicorn? Or like, not unicorn. No, you sorry, can't do obviously. that. But, uh, well, right, sorry. We learned that <laughs> in episode one. But, uh, like, do they eat hippogriffs or anything like that? I don't think so. Definitely, like, parts of those creatures are all, like, potion ingredients for uh, things. Oh. Like, unicorn hair or, like, dragon claw or shit like that. But it's more of a 
that kind of potion ingredient. Well, speaking of potion, we do have the return of a particular potion in this movie from Apologies. Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. Well, I'm still going over who's not in this. <laughs> Winky is not in this. That That's settled. And that's more important to just figure Girl, out. We're going to be here for like another hour before no, you finish all no, the characters that aren't included. No. Okay. And the next one. How many do you have left? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. So, you, can't, you can't scroll just past. Just let me go. <laughs> someone else that's not in it that's important is someone named Bertha Jorkins. She is a ministry official that goes missing at the beginning of... She's missing from when we start the book. Mm. So we don't know what happened to her. And basically, she's the one that Voldemort captured and got all the information out of her to devise this plan to get Harry to the graveyard through the cup. So she gives him all the information because she's a ministry official. She knows the tournament's happening. So he pulls it out of her. With his psychic powers. Yeah, basically. <laughs> He's like Mewtwo. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> With his magic. <laughs> Him and Wormtail, like, torture her or whatever and kill her. Um, oh, God. She, she's actually supposed to show up as a ghost at the uh, end as well because... Yeah. Right. He, he, he's, but, she is in his wand. But she was important because she was the informant to devise this plan. That's why he knew about the tournament. That's great. And the goblet. I want that. I know. I want that information because it's yeah. just so... Weird. Like, how did Voldemort know about all this? Right. Who cares? None of it matters. It's just they <laughs> yeah. figured it out. Yeah. So they had an insider from the beginning and that's they just followed yeah. that one through. Well, line. they capture her and kill her. Poor Bertha. Justice for Bertha. I guess so. And the the problem is Bagman, who's like her boss, is very like nonchalant about her missing. He's like, oh, who cares? She was dumb. <laughs> She's probably not missing. She's probably just lost. She's dumb. The whole time, he's not. he never takes her. Appalling. Be- Absolutely appalling. <laughs> He never takes her being missing very seriously, which is important, too, that people aren't on their guard. Clearly. And that's important because Voldemort comes back and takes <laughs> advantage of that. I mean, we see that with Dumbledore's willingness well, to let yeah. Mad-Eye just <laughs> Mad-Eye Moody. do whatever he wants. True. Clearly, he's tripping, sipping on something in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Also, someone missing kind of is Percy Weasley. He's in it right. a lot. Just popping in because he's the assistant to Barty Crouch. Oh. And he takes his job so seriously. Is this, has he just, has he already graduated or is he, he like a graduated. senior? Oh, okay. It's I didn't like, know if he was like in his last year interning no, or something. it's his first year out. So oh. he's like super serious. He's like, my boss. Like he's obsessed with Barty Crouch and Barty Crouch calls him Weatherby. Like he doesn't even call him his proper name. <laughs> well, like, hi. It's just showing that is like. A nickname? Showing inferiority. Well, no, it's just showing Percy like is obsessed with Crouch and always talking about how important he is. And then when Crouch is around, he calls him Weatherby. So clearly Percy is just full of shit Uh to like try to be impressive. Right. But it's important because Percy steps in and they keep asking him where Crouch is when he dies because we don't understand or we don't know where he is. He goes missing before he dies. In the movie, he just dies. Remember? Crouch? Yeah. Remember in the forest, they find him like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead in the book. He goes missing for a while and then oh. they find him crazy in the forest and then Mad-Eye kills him in there. Different sequence. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Barty Crouch had a sad story. I think that's it for who's missing. But I think those are important elements to the story as well. That they are. Missing. Well, and they're showing how dynamic the layers of the story yeah. are. Well, and it shows what 
the next m- movies are building on. Mm-hmm. And that's and hard I, to follow. It's, sort of, it, it's just thrown in there and you are expected to roll with certain assumptions that are introduced without like the explanation. The movie is really a compliment of the book. Mm. You know? To add some visual reference, maybe. Yeah. And, and maybe clear up a thing or two, but they can't be taken for granted uh, or for face value, I guess, because of the, the key plot differences between them. It's definitely, there are some omissions. I did not understand all any of this or why David Tennant, Barty Crouch Jr. was there. Like, who, who the hell is this? It's like... In the book, we understand it's Crouch's son that has a long history with death eaterness. Mm. And it's weird. But anyway, so I think the reason people don't like Goblet of Fire too much, or why some people, some people say the drama, and I'm just like, bitch, I live for the drama. It's so good. That's like my favorite. I live for the drama. I do. <laughs> like, come on. Is it too melodramatic? Like, people get mad about like the ball, like that drama. And I'm like, are you kidding? That's like the best part. <laughs> I mean, that's what I feel is the soapy part sort of of it, which is that's where the best part. <laughs> I mean, that's what I thought that I meant by that's meme status, because just I felt like I've seen <laughs> it. I definitely have a graphic of the two of the boys, Harry and Ron, sitting over in the corner while everybody is dancing. I um, don't know. I don't think that's a meme. OK, <laughs> well, it is a very soapy sort of uh, event because of. I love, but it's like fun. Why do people want like action the whole time? You just want dragons the whole time. I, <laughs> that's do the problem. You? That's the problem is they set up these expectations of getting those dragons and fireballs. Like fireballs are like, the closest to explosions, I guess, besides wand things, wand fights. But I don't know. I I like the ball. I, so I, the melodrama, I can't help you there if you don't like Goblet of Fire for that. That's the best part to me. So, but the other stuff I noticed. Those costumes at the ball. They were bad. They made no sense. They were well, right. And this is a controversy that you had brought up. Yeah. How Pavarti, the Patils, I forgot her cousin or sister's name, whatever. They're wearing like very basic Indian garments. And mm-hmm. in real life, like formal wear for Indian people is like so much more elaborate and intricate and beautiful. And it really is. It's all like handmade and shit. It's so it's so beautiful. The the thing like you know it was the wrong style for the occasion. Yeah, it was the wrong amount of formal in Indian style. Like it, it was informal. It, yeah, it was completely informal for the event compared to like the Westerners what they were wearing. Like A it, it just doesn't it doesn't match. They didn't do the research. Clearly, like there wasn't Indian person there to say like hey this is like basic as fuck we would go to the grocery store in this <laughs> like <laughs> why not something actually formal indian you know hmm. so that was controversial but it's weird because the, the whole robes versus western wear like or regular wear in these movies gets so fucked past prisoner of azkaban mm-hmm. like prisoner of azkaban onward they don't wear robes like, wizards are supposed to always be wearing robes. Always. But Harry's always, like, wearing a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what just occurred to me is that part where Ron is really upset at Hermione for... He, he gets jealous, right? So he reacts in that way that he does about Victor 
being her date. And it, it is a little childish or just like I can see why people would not like the scene because of that. Not the scene. I'm just saying people hate on Goblet of Fire in general for the dating dynamics. Oh, I mean, I'm they're 13, it. 14 years old. I know, right? I'm into What it. else are they going to do? Play video games? <laughs> they can't. Exactly. <laughs> Gosh. Technology doesn't work around Hogwarts. And that's also something that becomes important in this book. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're trying to call Apple support. I think if it's not the melodrama that people don't like, it's I, it suffers a little bit from the Chamber of Secrets coincidence loopholes situation i think that we talked about in that episode a bit not as much as chamber of secrets well i can't think of anything per se well i have a few (laughs) Uh, please enlighten me the whole binding contract of the goblet and how an adult can like people can put in whoever's name into it clearly Uh like moody could put harry's name and no school and that counted like, that's just, like, that's kind of coincidency because it's, like, if people could put each other's names, why wouldn't the younger people be, like, hey, put my name in. You're old. You know, like, Fred and George have this whole thing of, like, trying to trick the goblet. Right. And they can't, but they didn't think of having an older person go in and put in their names. Like, that's not supposed to work. Like, that seems so too easy for a younger person to get in. No, I th- I think it's more the book doesn't flesh this out more because I would no. have assumed that Moody had some kind of incantation on the submission of his name, that slip of paper that is what permitted it to go into the goblet. Like he put some kind of special spell on it so that it would stay in there and, mm. and, and be chosen regardless. Like, you know, it's like a special. I don't think they say anything about that, that they should have, or she, she should have said that, yeah. but I don't think they do. They just said, mm. oh, Moody just put in Harry's name with no school, and that counted as a, like a new school. She should have, ex- JK should have explained that better. Yeah, I think so. So that's it's an important That's a little piece. bit of a coincidence, I would label it. It's probably or, the most important piece of Or it something. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, that's a fair loophole. It's just it was not explained out, so it leaves the question open. Right. Also, Crouch Jr. as Mad-Eye Moody being, like, a really good teacher mm-hmm. is kind of oh. a coincidence. <laughs> like, it's not... Like, he ends up being really good, teaches them about unforgivable curses, is very, like, hands-on, you know, gives them books for reasons. But it's still a little strange that he's, like, a good teacher and he's just, like, this random Death Eater. That's crazy. It's funny. You should say that I was thinking the same thing watching it. Yeah. Like, because at least at this point, I knew that he was a an antagonist. And still, he's he plays good. He does good things as right. Moody. It, and it's all... He lashes out a little bit sometimes, but probably the real Moody would too. It's all in the name of like making everyone believe he was really Moody. But how is Barty Crouch Jr. that good at being... You know, he's not like... A mad genius. I don't know. It's it's a little weird. I think it just it just leads up. It makes it feel like a very Scooby Doo ending, to me. That it's just like the mask comes off, and it was like Barty Crouch Jr. the whole time, and it's like what? Like that makes no sense. It was Moody. Like you know. I like it, but. What do you mean like it? Like I like it. I like the reveal. But liking it is one thing, but it making sense is another thing. I agree. And even if it doesn't make sense, I still like it. Why? Because it paid off for me in the end. 
Uh, I I just enjoy, but I enjoy that. You know, I like that who done it type of mystery. What where I like it too, but it it just doesn't make as much sense as it could. Sure, like, it should. Like he was too convincing as Moody, mm-hmm. and it was to trick us, the audience. But also, it's like it feels a little like an afterthought. Oh, it was Crouch Junior. It's weird. I think it falls into coincidence territory or error or whatever this is i would give it to you because like enough to trick dumbledore right and that was my big criticism is i I felt like dumbledore we've seen in the past see through anything i mean he can freaking see harry potter through an invisibility cloak why can't he see (laughs) freaking moody through polyjuice polyjuice right that's what i'm saying like it feels too much to get away with for mm-hmm. some random guy. Like right. if it was Voldemort, sure, because he's our like mad genius villain. But this is just like some henchman, you know? It's kind of strange. Also, port keys being introduced is a little strange. Well They're not introduced. Yeah, they are. Isn't the port key The fireplace? That's a whole different thing. I, that's a port key. No, it's not. What is it? That's a I forgot what is flu. The flu network. Oh. That's like their their phones. So wait, was it a boot? Mm-hmm. Oh. That Mikey old boot. Okay. <laughs> I no. Okay. Now, now I believe you. I I had my boots and goblets mixed mixed up. <laughs> I thought the boot was in a different episode, and then the goblet was the port key introduced no. here. But no. Okay. Right. So we're introduced to port keys. Yeah. And they're not fleshed out in terms of what they're capable of. They're just kind of these additional tools of the magical world of transportation. Yeah. It's a little weird that at the end, the goblet transports them back instead of to the maze where the cup was. Also, like, I don't think port keys are supposed to work two ways, first of all. I think they only work one way. Mm. So in Goblet of Fire, Harry does grab that port key again. He grabs the goblet to go back. Yeah. But maybe they do work two ways sometimes. Obviously, they must it, work two ways. But you would think if Moody is trying to get, get Harry killed with Voldemort, he would bewitch it to be one way. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know if he was trying to get Harry killed as much as he was trying to just get Harry's blood for Voldemort to come back I think to life. he wanted Harry killed. I, I'm saying if I was Moody, I would make the Secondary cup. goal. <laughs> if I was Moody or Crouch, I would, I would make the cup one way to make sure he can't come back no matter what. I'm not saying I wouldn't either. <laughs> Just saying I don't think they thought of it. <laughs> they weren't. That was that they were too concerned with the idea of Voldemort coming back that they forgot that part of the plan. Wow, that's a bad villain. How was he so I good mean, at like tricking Dumbledore? He but was can't managing figure- a lot, you know. Like for Christ's sake, he had Snape on his tail. Uh, he- <laughs> I'm just saying, it's those are the few. It's not as much as Chamber of Secrets. But it has a little bit of that, like, mm, okay, it's a stretch, but okay, you know, kind of moments. A we'll couple. forgive it to get a glimpse at Voldemort. It's still my favorite movie and book. I'm just saying, like, I'm trying to figure out reasons people might dislike it. Because it's definitely a controversial or a polarizing installment. That's definitely news to me because I am not, I'm out of the wizarding world and... <laughs> what you guys talk about and i don't know which books are more favored over others and so clearly i guess this one's either super cherished or thrown out the window yep okay so we have he said calmly written down here in my notes (laughs) this is great the infamous 
Dumbledore. So you showed me this when you were reading the book uh-huh. <laughs> before we'd start the books again or the movies again. You had guided this part and explained it to me. So you can explain it again. Well, just that in the book, Dumbledore asks Harry after he gets picked for the Goblet of Fire. It's this big crazy moment where everyone's Harry like, Potter. what? Hey, hey, Potter. <laughs> right. And... Dumbledore comes back and is like, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Or he says, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? He said calmly, is what the book says. And then in the movie, he's like charging at Harry, like about to tackle him. It's like, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Tell me. And he's like all threatening and it's scary. So it's just weird to see Dumbledore that way. It makes sense for cinematic purposes. It's more dramatic, I guess. I want to I want to clarify like I want to revisit that because in the movie I I wonder if it's at what part in the book is that after he pulls the name right after right out of the goblet and they're still hanging around there in the no they all get pulled into a room right and that's where because in the movie that's in Dumbledore's office I think or is it just a side room I'm not sure okay it's just funny that it's just always a funny people it became like a big meme Mm. and it's a funny meme of like screaming that see he said calmly (laughs) okay we also have the neville is hot as fuck now no (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) oh wait no that's sorry so i distracted me i showed him uh matthew lewis now because he didn't know that's the actor that plays neville Cameron didn't know that Neville glowed up and was hot now. Yeah. But his Instagram is so cute. It's so <laughs> it looks like just a regular person. He is a regular person. I know and it's cool. Oh my god. Anyway, we have the moment where Moody teaches the unforgivable curses and he does the Cruciatus curse right in front of Neville and like Neville knows about it and it's kind of like it's kind of unanswered in the movie you have to be really paying attention to the trials the trial part to understand because it's only like at the very beginning I think of that scene of the trial scene that they mentioned the, the long buttons it's, yeah. it's towards the end actually of oh. the scene but it's like one sentence it's hard with their accents their accents are horrible sorry <laughs> not to be rude to British accents if anyone British is listening possibly <laughs> But they're hard to understand for us Americans. Okay, for us Mexican-Americans. <laughs> <laughs> or for me, Mexican-American. <laughs> I don't know about other Mexican-Americans or Americans. But for me, it's hard to follow sometimes. Mm. The accent. Get subtitles. <laughs> so the point of the... So Moody does it in front of him. And it becomes... Once we figure out Moody is Barty Crouch Jr., it becomes way more sad to remember that moment because... Barty Crouch Jr. tortured Neville's parents in real life into insanity. Neville's parents are alive, but they're completely incoherent. He just visits them at the hospital, but they don't know who he is or anything. And Dumbledore tells Harry that after the he sees the trial in the Pensieve. Dumbledore does tell him about it. And he tells him, don't tell anyone. And Harry doesn't. He doesn't tell anyone. But it, it just makes it... That scene all the more sad and why he chose Neville and knew why Neville would know that curse. You know, it, it just makes Crouch Jr. You understand how cruel he is, you know. I, I wish that the movie had conveyed that part a little more. But again, it goes into the side stories that they had to cut out. Mm-hmm. And it's just a shame because there are so many deep character layers, like so much more we learn about these characters and the characters, the way that we see into the world of this fantasy. And I just wish that 
they included more of these so that we could experience that more. For sure. Or at least when it comes to also, like, I like understanding complex antagonists personally, especially if they're written very complexly. And it sounds like Crouch Jr. had that yeah. so much. But and in the movie, he's literally just like David Tennant. Like, he's we just don't a, know anything about him. Just like a crazy guy. That he's does, just insane, right? Yeah. Like, that's all he is can. But he's not. As. He's really like a bitter sort of. There's more nuance to justification right. for what it's he like, does. It's like he's like a bitter, neglected, but rich son of this Barty Crouch workaholic. Like we really see Barty Crouch Sr. as a big workaholic. Hmm. And we see how much he's obsessed with his job. And we can infer that all Barty Crouch Jr.'s life, he was very much ignored. And that led him to go down dark paths hmm. very young his trial with okay so bellatrix is also supposed to be in this movie sure bellatrix and her husband i forgot the lestrangest lestrange lestrangest they are all tried together the lestrangest and then uh barty crouch jr there's three separate trials that harry sees in the pensive in the movie they make it one but their trial he's like a kid he's like 18 and he's like crying and he's like telling his dad, like, please, I didn't do anything. I, I don't send me. He's pleading like innocent. He seems innocent. He's a kid. And Barty Crouch Sr. is like super cruel. And it's like, no, you're going to ask Ben, like all of you. And then it's a big gag when he comes back and he's like, he's like that boy, but he's old now. But in the movie, it's just David Tennant. And he looks old in the trial. You know, remember when they point out Barty Crouch Jr. Mm-hmm. in the in the movie? He's just like an older David Tennant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but in the book, it's a lot more like he's pleading for his life mm-hmm. to Barty Crouch. And he's just like soulless, like, no. But yeah, he's a complex character. So another, the movie really uh, it didn't show a new creature that we're exposed to in Goblet of Fire. Well, there's the Hungarian horn tail. Yes, we we know dragons. <laughs> but do we know that breed? Well, no, I guess not. <laughs> but that's not what's important. Charlie Weasley's also there wrangling the dragons. That's not that important, but <laughs> he's there. <laughs> we don't get to see, and I would have loved to see a movie representation of them, but they're called Vila, and they're supposed to be like this creatures that look like beautiful women. Mm-hmm. Like, but they're like mag- magnetic to men. Men get like hypnotized by them mm-hmm. straight up and it's super weird. So what are they there for? So they're the mascot for the that... Crumbs Quidditch team. Uh, oh. Uh, Bulgaria. Bulgaria. That's who it is, right? I, I... I think so. And then the Irish have the leprechauns, but we know what those are mm-hmm. from real life. <laughs> so wait, you're saying that there are leprechauns in the Harry Potter world that are not on screen. Yeah, but at least we see uh. the fireworks. Oh, of God. the leprechaun remember <laughs> do i <laughs> why do you was, hate it <laughs> it's so it's just like i can't i told you i can't stand anything that is cgi cgi dancing why i can't it's just I, <laughs> you love dancing <laughs> i know i love dancing so much that cgi dancing makes me cringe oh my god that's it's funny. like the most pure human form art th- thing that we have oh my god is it a so pretend is about dance. I just, it's just, <laughs> it never comes out right when it's CGI'd. It never looks good. And the dancing 
leprechaun in the sky and <laughs> goblet of fire is no exception okay fine i'm I sorry the leprechaun. i think i've ranted on the show before about i definitely have about cgi dancing mm-hmm. oh, I, I don't know but we didn't see the hungarian bulgarian hungarian bulgaria's mascots perform Mm. and that was vila and all like ron and harry they all kind of get hypnotized oh and hermione's like what the fuck (laughs) what why they're important is because when they see fleur you know fleur the other champion the girl champion oh okay that's her yeah fleur when ron sees her he has a crush on her the whole time they they hint at it in the movie yeah, yeah yeah with her like kissing him and stuff and him asking her out they're like she kind of looks like a vila like they would describe her that way and then that later they find out that she's part vila Uh. (laughs) she's like yeah wow so it's just weird that she's like part another creature it is weird (laughs) and they don't allude to it at all and then she marries uh ron's brother which brother bill (laughs) bill yeah do i know bill weasley no yeah (laughs) poor ron right gosh i would hate bill if i were him i think they do no i don't know like that's ron's style too he's supposed to be really hot bill Bill. yeah (laughs) so fleur becomes a weasley just saying it's like none of this it all just appears later and you're like wait what (laughs) who's getting married (laughs) because that's their wedding later in like deathly hollows oh bill and fleur okay Anyway, I feel like Hermione had some good quotes. Or oh. Emma Watson, I feel like, had some interesting deliveries. <laughs> okay. Like, wake up. Wake up, Ronald. At the very beginning. Oh. She's just so mad about it. I don't know. Yeah. And then, I'm not an owl. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> that one's, I've seen that a lot. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just that, that quick whip around. Yeah. I'm not an owl. Yeah, it's just funny. Yeah, I mean, Harry and Ron are mad at each other. It feels for a lot longer in the books, and it's really messy because it's like they don't have any other friends. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'll admit it was it felt kind of too soon in the movie when they stopped being enemies of each other or like making amends. Ron is just jealous. They should have carried that throughout the whole movie. No, it's after the first task that Ron gets happy at harry because he's like there's no way you'd be dumb enough to put your name in there that's really dangerous Mm -hmm. and horrible and it just happens that that in the movie we get to the first task like in the first (laughs) so is that when ron ron starts to think that somebody else must have put his name yeah well he believes him because harry the whole time is like i didn't do it yeah why don't you believe me i'm like why would i lie about that to you because hermione believes him haggard Mm -hmm. believes him and dumbledore believes him and that's about it Everyone thinks Harry is just in it for the glory. It's like the poor guy just wants to be left alone. Right? <laughs> Jeez. He yeah. has no... He didn't ask for the scar. Right? He just... Oh, poor kid. I feel so bad. The trauma. They really... That's the thing about the movie. They really underplayed the trauma at the end. Mm-hmm. The trauma that Harry just went through. Because he was physically and emotionally tortured by Voldemort. He saw Voldemort come back. He was ugly as hell. I kind of saw it come through in the scene when he's holding and embracing Cedric. That's the only part, though. Mm-hmm. It feels kind of like after... And that happens in the book, I think, as well, where he's, like, attached... Like, he's just freaking out. He won't out. let go, yeah. Yeah, and that makes sense. But then it's kind of forgotten about, and he's just treated as Harry Potter from 
book one or movie one again. Like, I, it just feels very like, I don't know. You don't feel the gravity of the situation at the end of this movie. Like you do in the book. Yeah. When you're reading it. Because you're like, what the fuck? Like, Cedric just died. It's scary. And it's traumatizing. And Well, I will say that I completely agree because every time I've watched The Goblet of Fire before this, I felt that way. I just didn't feel that gravity. I didn't feel like anything important had happened. Yeah. And I it wasn't until watching it this time with you explaining more of the in-depth behind the scenes aspect of it. And especially Cedric's background and character that I understood more of what Cedric represented to everybody at Hogwarts there and how traumatizing it is just for anybody to die let alone like a child at the tri-star or tri-wizard tournament yeah someone that was very beloved very kind he was a hufflepuff Mm -hmm. he was very nice he helped harry at the end like i said in the in the movie uh it shows like harry's in the lead and harry and he's down cedric's down harry it's his for the taking but in the book really harry breaks his foot and he's down and Cedric has a clear path to the goblet. And Harry's like, take it. It's yours. I'm hurt. Like, I can't move. And Cedric's like about to go take it. And then he's like, no, let's go together. Or you're coming with me because you helped. What if Cedric had touched the goblet? Hadn't? Well, no. What if he had touched it? By himself? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the plan wouldn't have worked. So Mad-Eye was circling the maze to make sure obstacles were off of Harry's path and onto everyone else's. And he imperioed uh, Crumb right. to attack everyone else, which in the movie, they portray it interestingly uh, with like a cloudy eye, to which helps, I think, is helpful to the audience because in the book, you can't really tell. Right, we need a visual cue to... That spell is so dangerous. Honestly, this movie, or in reading this book, made me really scared about... Or not scared, but like really wish... Not wish for the magical world to be real. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because anybody you see, all I can talk think to, it, could be under... Yeah, all I could think books. of is like all the sex crimes that could happen with magic. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's like so dark and scary. That's pretty dark. It I, is, but it's true. Am I right? Like, I wouldn't want this world <laughs> to live in the Harry Potter world, you know? It sounds cool and all, but uh, it's, it's just, just like scary. the internet. With any great thing, there's going to be. I guess, but at least the internet, you can, like, avoid it. I don't know. <laughs> so now, another thing that was a nice um, motif, maybe, was the summoning charm. Or it was one of those things in, in like the Harry Potter movies that comes back throughout. A summoning charm. A summoning charm. That's Akio. Oh, the uh, <laughs> Akio Firebolt. Which until literally this watch through, I thought it was pronounced Axio. <laughs> so as you've been reading it, you've been mispronouncing it in your head? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's two C's. Wouldn't you read it? How would you read that? Uh, Akio. <laughs> Neither. Achio. Okay. Well. Achio Firebolt. I read it as Axio. Because oh. like Axion. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, I see where you're getting yeah. it from. So apparently it's Akio based on the movie. Akio Firebolt. So basically he learns it in class first and he's really bad at it. He can't figure it out. He can't do it. Wait, it, Mad-Eye doesn't teach it to him? That's not Mad-Eye's class. That's Flitwick. 
Flitwick sauce. I just, well, in the movie, they set it up that Mad Eye teaches him, though, because. He doesn't teach him. Well, because remember, he says, well, you know, what are you going to do? Like, what can you do? What are you good at? And he goes, I can fly, but I can't have my broomstick. You can have your wand. And so it assumes that. It doesn't mean he teaches him. I think it just gives him the idea, which also In the movie, for me, it made me assume that Mad Eye taught him. Oh, okay. It also happens. That same conversation happens in the book mm. because Mad Eye's trying to help him. I see. Um, but it's more unclear in the movie, right? But of where he find he learns it. He just right, suddenly exactly. it's like the spell that he learns for the. It's like he year. already knows. Yeah. But in the book, he's struggling with it in class, and then Mad Eye tells him like, "You you can have your wand," and then he's like summoning charm, and then he gets Hermione to tutor him uh, like teach him and practice and learn a spell yeah <laughs> but he's very procrastinating about it <laughs> typical harry yeah but it's Chilling interesting all the time mr pothead oh my Sorry. it's interesting <laughs> did you get a text message uh, in the middle of our no, podcast I just, everything disappeared and i was freaked out but oh. i just went to an you know never oh. <laughs> what was i gonna say oh I, summoning charms end up becoming a big thing in the final final moment oh. when he's trying to get cedric's body and the goblet to go back right and then and he summons it akio goblet <laughs> <laughs> does he say that yeah. in the movie oh i missed that i think he does <gasps> akio goblet yeah <laughs> i'm sorry or cup or i don't know i don't know what it is but i just wish he said nothing because well i mean maybe I, he says nothing i don't because i feel like if he said that it would have pulled me out of the moment too much. Well, I think there's a lot of music and okay. climaxy like sounds. They have so. the track in there, just real low volume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the summoning charm ends up saving his life in the end. You know what I mean? Not just in the first task, but with Voldemort. And the third task. Right. It's really the encore task here. Yeah, for Shit. real. <laughs> I know. Poor kids. Yeah. Fans are never satisfied. So I have this note that's kind of random. That's kind of... The don't say it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Rude. It's good. I think it has to do with me defending why I like the drama and stuff. <laughs> um, oh, well, please. We've got to hear it. <laughs> there's something about seeing people in fantasy movies that have been through so much do regular people things. Like what regular people things? Like ask people to the ball. Oh. I thought you were going to be like, like do their laundry. Yeah, sure. You know, I can. I same thing. Same argument I had in Stranger Things. You know, I just want to see these kids, but it's also important to see them go through stuff because that's where you connect and you're like, you love them, you fall in love when they're going through such hard things. But then, once you have connected with them that way, then you just want to see them do regular people safe things. It sucks. Remember how I was talking about the ball being like the high school m- movie moment? Yeah, it's like. It's I love always, that. So maybe that's where some of the criticism is coming from. They're like, too much. This is too much of a like, teeny I, movie. I don't understand those people. <laughs> oh, I found. I have another quote, not by uh, Emma Watson. <laughs> okay. But by Jenny, uh, who oh. it's actually her birthday today. The actresses. Oh, hey. Bonnie, I think that's her name. <laughs> oh, so that's why you had said you'd showed me that she turned twenty eight. Yeah. Oh, okay. She's old. She's older than Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were just like randomly finding her age and didn't realize no. it's because her birthday was today. I think so. It was on the Reddit. Happy birthday! <laughs> what was her name again? 
Bonnie. Bonnie. Happy birthday, Bonnie. I think. If you're listening. <laughs> I'm not wearing that. It's costly. <laughs> <laughs> it's yes, so good. Yes, yes. That's a good line. It's like line. her only line in this movie. It is. <laughs> Justice for Book Jenny. Oh. Oh. It's costly. <laughs> so another uh, subplot they left out is giant discrimination. Uh, oh. Not giant discrimination, but giant discrimination. <laughs> discrimination against, against giants? Yes. <laughs> because basically Haggard confesses to Madame Maxine, the uh, giantess lady, <laughs> that he's half giant. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what about you? Was it your mom or your dad? And then she's like, how dare you? I'm big boned. <gasps> and she like runs away and hates him. What? So she didn't admit that she was a giant? Half no. Giant? And then what? Right after that, like the day after, Rita Skeeter, who's a journalist lady. I remember. Publishes a whole thing about Hagrid is half giant, confirmed, exposed. Uh, he How is he teaching at Hogwarts? All this shit. And then Har- Harry reads that and it's like, wasn't it a bit obvious <laughs> and then ron is like he's half giant like this is a big deal like giants are crazy like trolls and basically there's this this huge bias against giants because actual giants full giants are kind of troll trollish my gosh yeah and hagrid is like in hiding for a while because he's like he's getting so much hate mail Man, the Wizarding World is vicious. They they, they have so much racism. It's like creatureism. Yep. <laughs> Basically. That's some bull. So Hagrid's in hiding because he can't handle all the hate mail. Basically, the this movie and book is interesting because we see the media and sort of themes about the media, which is some, is some of our favorite topics. It's true. We don't. I feel like it's not as poignant as it should be in the movie version. Yeah, we only see like a bit of how it affects Harry. But in the book, it's so much more intense. It's like Rita's publishing shit all the time. And he, she's like, Hermione with Victor Crumb. Crumb invited her to vacation with him this summer. And he had. And Hermione was like, how the fuck did she figure out? Or like, how is she listening? And everyone's like, maybe she has an invisibility cloak. Because she's getting like all this hot gossip. But no one sees her around. So Hermione is kind of trying to figure that out. And she does at the end how she did it. Oh, so there's a way. Oh, yeah. She's an illegal animagus. She's a fly. Oh, my God. Or like a ladybug or a beetle. She's a beetle. Oh, my God. Uh Uh-huh. Beetle. What? I don't know. (laughs) England beetles. Oh, not that beetle. I guess it doesn't connect. (laughs) No. But... Yeah, that's how Hermione catches her. Because basically Hermione gets a lot of hate mail for leaving Harry, quote unquote, for crumb. Like a lot uh, of hate mail. Like drag race fan hate hate mail. Like she gets howlers. Oof. But, but wait, I think you already said, but was it at the end of this movie or at the end of the series? that At she... the end of this book. Oh, okay. Hermione catches her. Which, did I don't remember that in the movie. It wasn't in the movie. Oh. <laughs> we don't see i can't <laughs> <laughs> i know i'm uh. sorry i'm here to fill you in on everyone else's plot <laughs> it's important because rita's really messing up ev- like their lives harry ha- haggard's life well i wonder if it's because in the 
third movie in Prisoner of Azkaban, we got so much of the media in that and how they portrayed black, black that yeah. perhaps they felt they didn't need that for this one. They just needed the reporter and they, we could make our own deductions about her throughout. But she really fucked up because Hagrid is close to Harry. She found out that's why she was trying to she was really trying to get a story out of Harry and she was trying to hurt people close to Harry just to get uh, stories surrounding Harry. It's weird like because she was obsessed with covering him because he's so famous. I mean it's his name that pulls in the readers. I guess so. But it's just an interesting depiction of the media and like this type of drama channel type person. The press? Vultures. Beatles. <laughs> I guess so in here. <laughs> so Hermione catches her like in a jar. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So she, and then she doesn't come back in the subsequent books? She does kind of, but not as much because Harry or basically Hermione has that information on her. She can report her. I feel like she kind of plays the Umbridge character of this book. A little, but nothing compares to Umbridge. We'll get there next time. (laughs) Who that? Oh, my God. She's so horrible. Yes. Okay, a movie moment that was not in the books that was good was obviously our fave Alan Rickman, like, shushing them and... Smashing their heads down. Hitting them with books. It's so funny. I mean, it's obviously student abuse. Well, I'm... We don't (laughs) condone student abuse, but... It's just funny how he hit someone and he's like, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I'm glad that they gave Snape some good moments yeah. in the movie. Because he's not super featured. He's really not. It's mm-hmm. a little sad. Mm-hmm. By a little, I mean a lot sad. Yeah. For, just because of Alan Rickman. Because yes. Snape sucks, but. Snape's like the best acted character in this entire movie. Yes. But I have to give it, to uh, you know, a big shout out to the actor that played Mad-Eye Moody, the actual Mad-Eye character, because I, I really liked that acting role as well. I thought he was featured just at the right amount because he's a cool character. I, I remember when I watched the movies really liking him as a character. Well, he's very interesting with that eye. Yeah. It's kind of creepy, though, because they leg. can see through things. Yeah. That's true. In the book, it's a wooden leg. Right. We have a metal CGI leg. <laughs> that they a only have more, like one shot of. It's a really. little more steampunk mm-hmm. <laughs> in the movie. Okay, yeah. So the Yule Ball had a lot more to it after the big fight. Hermione wasn't like, off to bed, both of you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they just went, Ron and Harry went for a walk in the garden. They mm. made this like really pretty garden for it outside. It's our own. <laughs> That's where they overhear Hagrid talking to Madame Maxine about the half-giant moment. And that's where they're like, we didn't see Rita anywhere. Mm. They tell Hermione that. But anyway, that's that's where they see that. We see a little bit of the giant people (laughs) conversing in the movie in like a hallway, but it doesn't conclude or it doesn't get anywhere. But then also in this garden scene, we have kind of our first (laughs) or our only implication of sex or kind of. Like, between Fleur and her date. Oh. Basically, there's an implication. They say, like, they're getting busy in the bushes. (laughs) (laughs) They're not having sex. They're just feeling each other's parts. Oh, my God. (laughs) Ew. (laughs) Getting busy. I mean, who knows? Maybe they were studying Uh in the bushes. They were not. (laughs) Reading books. That was kind of our only moment of, like possible sex happening in hogwarts in the whole series pretty much wow 
I mean, that's what happens when you host a international wizarding <laughs> party at your school for the whole year. Right. <laughs> also, Yule Ball is Christmas. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we don't get really any defined holidays in this book. There's not as much also, of that wintry oh, feel. Yeah, of course, because they don't they don't have the holidays. Also, I told you, we literally get to Hogwarts in the movie, and then the, they're arriving the ship and the Bobatons. They're all arriving oh, right yeah. away. And I was like, "What the fuck? This it's happens like we, on Halloween. <laughs> That's we, like a big thing." And in the, the school, and we start Hogwarts in Halloween. <laughs> no. They just bring them in right away. But mm. in the book, we're like waiting for them by Halloween. Everyone's excited. Like, they're coming. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Shame. I know. It's fun. But also, the schools are co-ed in the book. Mm-hmm. Less- Whereas here, it's like all men for one yeah. and all women. It's a little more one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Single ed. What? What is the opposite of co-ed? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all, all girls school. All boys school. Right. Hogwarts is co-ed. Right. They're all Cohen. There should be. Also, we have Karkaroff as the, uh, he's the leader of Darm, Darm's, Darmstrang, Darm, Darmstrang. Is that Victor Crumb's <laughs> whatever? Yeah. Okay. Victor Crumb's school. Yeah. What's his significance? It seems like he, he's kind of important. He's a former Death Eater. Yeah. Because wasn't he up for trial? Yes. That was a separate trial in the book from Barty Crouch Jr., but in the movie, they're all together. Basically, he comes forward and gives names of other Death Eaters in order to get free. So he's a snitch uh, mm. to Death Eaters. Uh, How did he get into this headmaster position? Well, Durmstrang is known to be kind of shady, like uh, kind of like dark artsy a little bit. I don't know, girl. I couldn't <laughs> tell by their uh, weird pungent marching. march. Into Hogwarts. They both had to have acrobats, um, remember? Oh. <laughs> They're each, like break dancers. Yeah. <laughs> each school had to have an acrobat or a break dancer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the one break dance moment in Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, it is. But anyway, he's kind of a red herring as well. He's a prime suspect, especially by Sirius. Sirius kind of suspects him because he's a former Death Eater. And it's like, maybe he put your name in. But it makes no sense because he wants Victor to win. So it's kind of weird. Basically, the mark is getting stronger. That means Voldemort's getting stronger. Mm-hmm. The mark on all the Death Eater's mm-hmm. arm. And he's freaking out because he's snitched. And he's like showing Snape. We see that in the movie. Right. He's showing Snape and he's like, it's getting stronger. Like, what the hell is going on? He's scared of for his life because he's a snitch. So at the very end, when they find out Voldemort came back, basically the thing burns and they know Voldemort's calling. He runs away. (laughs) He runs the hell away. We never see him again. No. (laughs) (laughs) Because he snitched on Voldemort. You can't do that. I'd get the hell out of Dodge, too. Yeah. So he leaves. (laughs) Voldemort's scary. Yeah, he's so scary. It's a terrifying villain. I mean, it just shows. Yeah. So the another notable quote is kill the spare for cedric and it sort of i think it symbolizes that like senseless killing from like true evil you know kind of like literally thoughtless thoughtless doesn't care murder for murdering like a really good and kid like a child pretty much you know it's it shows that evil being really real at the end of this i mean it's our first big death in the Harry Potter series. I think it's maybe, a turning point for the whole series. Maybe it, it was hard because I, I mean, I think that they tried to 
emphasize it in the film, but they probably did not do nearly as good of a job well, as the Well, the problem did. is we don't get to know Cedric as much. That's true, too. They tried a little with the falling out of the tree moment. Right. Uh, meeting up with them. It just happens in such a flash that I can't really process and digest yeah. what just happened. I feel like, yeah, we don't the get to feel the sadness in the movie as much because we don't get to know him. Like in the book, we see how beloved he really is by the whole student body. So he's like Quidditch captain. He's a prefect. Like he's beloved. And it's, it's he's, he's going on to UT. He's <laughs> going to get a big scholarship. <laughs> right. He's a so, superstar. It's just, it, it's a big turning point. I mean, it is because Voldemort comes back and that changes everything. It's no longer we're playing around going to school. It's like Voldemort's at large and could kill anyone it, as exemplified by Cedric. Kill the spare. And that's what propels us into Order of the Phoenix. It's like what sets up the Kinda. remaining episodes. We have another quote at the end here that's important. Um, very quoted another Dumbledore quote and it's like uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing it but (laughs) (laughs) it's like at some point we'll all have to make a choice between what is right and what is easy that's a big quoted Dumbledore quote I think and it it happens at the end in the movie they I think it's during his speech Mm. that he says it right it's like his final speech but oh oh but he also has a time where he talks to Harry like close no, I think it's when he talks to Harry close. I don't oh. think it's during the speech. I don't think. I don't remember. But it's, kind of, it's a very quotable. Okay, so a thing at the end that is very important to for Order of the Phoenix, but they don't show in the movie, <laughs> is... Okay, so they get all the confession out of Barty Crouch Jr. Then Dumbledore takes Harry to his office to get his eyewitness testimony of what happened in the graveyard. Because... Of the law of the magic world? No, 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 just... Because Dumbledore needs to know what the hell happened at the okay. graveyard. Right. And to try to advise on what to do next. Well, yeah, because Dumbledore is back. Like, he has to figure out what happened. So that's where Harry asks about the wand streams. That's where uh, all of that happens. But Harry is, like, traumatized and trying to... Like, Dumbledore's like, I don't want to have to make you relive this, but I need to know everything that happened as soon as possible. <laughs> and Harry recounts everything. And then... Dumbledore takes him down to the hospital where everyone is waiting for Harry. And he's like, no one ask him questions because he's traumatized. Okay. And he just had to retell me everything. So Dumbledore really steps in to help Harry out. (laughs) Wow. But during all of this, Barty Crouch Jr. is tied up in his office, whatever. And they come back and McGonagall's like, Dumbledore, Cornelius Fudge, just killed Barty Crouch. And Junior? Yeah. Barty Crouch Jr. Barty Crouch is dead right. because Junior killed him um, in the forest. And Dumbledore's like super angry. And basically Fudge and Dumbledore have like a big screaming match in the hospital next to Harry <laughs> about... Fudge killed him? Or sorry, well, not Fudge, the, but... Fudge brought in the Dementors to kill him. <gasps> like ordered them oh to kill... Oh my God. Their one witness. Right. Or, who who in, it's just an insider that is familiar well, with what the plan is. Basically, our only evidence that Dumbledore's back. I mean, <laughs> Voldemort's back from the dead, and that this whole plan was the thing. And Dumbledore is, is like that sets us up for the next one because basically Fudge is like Voldemort's not back to Dumbledore in that screaming match, that fight, and Dumbledore's like he is back. Harry and that's told why me. Dumbledore in the movie says. 
the ministry would whether yes. I not tell you yes. the truth about how exactly. Cedric dies, but it would do injustice. Exactly. In the book that comes after this oh. fight where... And in that speech, he says, Lord Voldemort is bad. killed. Yeah. yeah. And all the kids are like, what? <laughs> but in the book, it's really because the ministry to his face, the minister, he's like, you have to act now. You have to do... Dumbledore's like advising him like you have to do this you have to do that you have to do that and then fudge is like he's not back i'm i'm not gonna win re-election if i start making these measures whatever like implementing this oh my god and, so and he's spreading acting panic. out of self-interest yeah he's Ugh. like denying that voldemort's back and the only eyewitness is harry oh my god i feel like it's like trump yes Exactly. I mean, obviously, like Voldemort is compared a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so messy. And but that's important for Order of the Phoenix because the whole time Order of the Phoenix, the whole point is to get the ministry to believe. And then at the end, it's like the ministry has fallen. Like right because all the evil people have took over, taken it over. Yeah, because they were in denial about it. Yeah. So Fudge is really fudges it up. <laughs> the whole thing up. Dumbledore's like, if you act now, we can figure it out. And so he's like, no. it seems really important. It seems like you would put that. Yeah, honestly, that's that's, part that's of- a small scene that they could have done at least really quick. Have that fight as quick as they can and then have this big speech. Well, it's part of what some of my maybe pet peeves about the movies in general are is I feel like they don't connect well from movie to movie. Yeah. Like there's not really it's always that same iconic kind of landscapey and you know mm-hmm. orchestrated happy kind of feeling peaceful ending just looking off into the sunset or whatever it is and, and this one yes <laughs> yeah well i mean it's, it's the same way in uh no, yeah, the spirit or sorry what the sixth one is half blood prince they do the same thing um now it's a little more desaturated when they're doing it but still uh that's part of what i feel like is like the palette for the series is it like more and more gets desaturated honestly i feel like goblet of fire it is but the fire feels real green did you get no i feel a little more rich colors and warm tones even though there is a lot of green in like the Voldemort parts the the big action moments like the tasks, the maze is super blue, but I feel like it has enough color that it's the only one that goes a little back to the first couple mm-hmm. that in colorfulness. Interesting. Okay. Because Prisoner of Azkaban to me is super blue, and yeah. then it gets green from here on out, like super green, like super desaturated and gray. Well, I feel like from here on out, the movies start to take on a distinct darker tone. Yeah. You know. Well, um, yeah, it's the turning point, and yeah. it's also. I think all the rest, I'm not sure. They're all directed by David Yates, right? Mm. I don't know if all of the last ones, but a lot of them. Uh, this one was by Mike Newell. Something it's a huge turning point <laughs> at the end. Yeah, and well, <laughs> this is just a side thing, but I want to kind of rewatch the graveyard scene because I just want to pay attention to the production design. It kind of looked like it's a just kind of a basic set, like stage <laughs> set <laughs> that the graveyard scene takes place in. Like it's not very elaborate and too realistic feeling. Really? <laughs> like it yeah, it seemed kind of like a place. Like Halloween y. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't know. <laughs> Plan nine from outer space is what comes to mind. It's a horrible B movie. Yeah, just this. It, it looks like it should be for like a TV movie. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but 
Anyway, it just happens when you put some fog in there and it's like, oh, it's <laughs> real. Yeah. <laughs> it's spooky. Uh, but it just felt too, like, kind of play, play Halloween y, almost yeah. like Hocus Pocus or something. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> we um, didn't talk about the hair, which is the big topic of Goblet of Fire, the movie. The hair? Everyone's hair. Oh, so I guess everybody's got hippie hair in this <laughs> <one>. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I'm into it. That's another thing people hate on it for. I I love it. <laughs> I love long hair. I mean, I would have that type of hair if I could manage it better out of my eyes. Like, you know, I think Harry benefits from having glasses or bifocals because those Bifo- handles can, <laughs> they hold back his size of his hair for him oh, and behind his ears i do you now should, that i'm thinking about it you should grow your hair out <laughs> yeah please oh, i just don't have Got glasses a fire style. i'm blessed with too good of eyesight oh my god so hard knocking on <laughs> um oh do you have any other magnificent thoughts about the goblet of fire i thought i did oh i saw someone on reddit call the next one uh which kind of pertains to goblet of fire too it's Harry Potter and the untreated PSD, PTSD, <laughs> not PSD, like Photoshop, <laughs> the untreated PTSD. <laughs> and it's so true because everyone complains in the next one that Harry's very moody and angry, mm. which he is. He's a little bit emo and teen teenagery. But like, think of what he just went through, like major trauma. And I think his eyes are opening to the responsibility now that he has. Yeah, it's scary. It's a lot for a kid. And he clearly doesn't want it. Well, no one would want it. Who would want that? I mean, sometimes the hero <laughs> wants to be the hero. Well, that's the problem with a lot of stories. That I agree. It's always like chosen, the chosen one. It's always you were born and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's never like, I want to be a hero. I'm just Harry. <laughs> I'm just Harry. He has to answer to the call. Poor feller. But this is the turning point because Voldemort comes back and he's plotting. Well, we're going to have a, a dark episodes ahead as we <laughs> cover the remaining three. Of course, it's going to be a while, but we'll see what ends up happening. So from here, we've got the Order of the Phoenix. Are you excited to read it? Yes, but yeah. also it's the Umbridge one. Umbridge is so hateable. She's hated more than Voldemort in the fandom. Straight up, almost more than Voldemort because a lot of people say she's a lot more real like people have known an umbrage Mm -hmm. in real life and have suffered (laughs) by someone like her not everyone has suffered from a Voldemort like a super villain you know I definitely feel like I had an umbrage in middle school I had an experience with an umbrage that was like so ridiculous and so similar well hold it you'll have to share it with us next episode i can't it's too long (laughs) but it was rough well you'll have to tell me in private yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh well it's always a treat to come back to the studio and record with you we will usually give these films a score after talking about them uh i think you should score just the movie just the movie Mm -hmm. it's hard because i really like it it's just missing so much but i don't I don't blame it. It doesn't fit. Yeah, because I think I would have different... I would have a grade before you told me what was happening oh, in it. Oh, sorry. And then I would give it like a A-. minus. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I still... It's, it was still my favorite movie before I read the books. Just on pure competition and melodrama. I love that shit. But I didn't understand at all what it the movie meant in the overall series, which 
I think is where it falls short and that's where it loses points for me. Even just for not having that little fight, like a little bit of that fight between Dumbledore and Fudge at the end, it loses a little bit of points because I think that's important to set up the next one and the reason I got so lost in Harry Potter after this movie. I'm a little surprised. I think that's a, a generous score. Yeah, I, it's still, I, it, I think it's still really well done. The tasks are well done. Like the dragons. It's all like it brings it to life. It brings the uh, Triwizard Tournament to life really well. As a screenplay, it holds up. Uh, they, they did their workarounds the way they needed to to make it all fit. Um, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Like the Yule Ball was well done. Like looks wise and everything <laughs> well that's your opinion <laughs> you don't think it was <laughs> no no i'm just saying you were saying the other mo- the general opinion is like a lot of hate towards the yule ball no i th- i think just this the dynamics of high schooliness mm. i th- i'm just saying like it was brought to life mm-hmm. in a pretty way good yeah yeah, yeah. Or, or it was brought to life well that's not on the movie okay the melodrama isn't. Well, I would give it a B plus. What? I, was, I was thinking of giving it a B even, but what? Uh, I, <laughs> I it, especially based on what you told me, I just you gave me so much left to desire. Yeah, so. I would have loved to see the kitchen mm-hmm. with the elves. Those that and the fight. It's crazy what a one episode can do to a man's opinion. I, I started know. out with this ready to probably give it an A minus also. Oh but my goodness. Yeah, at this point you've knocked me down to i'm be, i feel like i'm being generous by saying b plus dang i'm so, sorry no, it's, okay. it's a good movie by itself i think it stands alone well mm-hmm. i think it just it doesn't help set up the rest of it which builds upon it a lot i will say i think i had some issues with the pacing for this film really i yeah. feel like it was so fast i mean i get where you're coming from with the just perspective you read, have that yeah. reference frame of reference from the book just cinematically and through the editing for me i felt like the pacing was just oh you a said that the humor end. was like oh uh, yeah weird it was, i was saying that yeah all their <laughs> their attempts at the humor were a beat off i felt like they were just and i felt like it was an editing issue it was just, also 2005 though humor was different it's not about <laughs> the humor being different you it's just the way you cut it the way that you make the humor come in at a, this timing in that scene and i felt like it was always just a slight like they put in too much time for the joke to just miss its mark so that's just <laughs> oh i get it and yeah. i mean timing is, is very sensitive it's like i felt it i i knew what they were trying yeah. to do and i found the joke but because they do those silly <laughs> moments. T- moments and yeah. takes where the like hermione will say boys yeah you know <laughs> yeah and, and, and it just it held on a shot like that for too long <laughs> yeah yeah it's more like boys <laughs> weird i don't know <laughs> you're right i couldn't say it yeah <laughs> so we are high key book club and this is episode who knows 50 something of our little show that we have here so this has been our goblet of fire edition and we would love to hear what you thought about it so if you want to get at us you can we got channels where could they find us eleni uh, you can tweet us at Heike Book Club or Instagram at Heike Book Club or email us at HeikeBookClub at gmail.com. Those are great places to get in touch with us. We'd love to hear what you thought. And if you have any requests, um, if you want to have some movie that you love or TV show, 
that yeah. want, you want covered, we might consider it. We're not super into the Oscars this year. You're right. Like we did a whole Oscars buildup last year. Yeah, because I feel like I was a lot more intrigued by a lot of the Oscar movies. And then in 2018, I feel like we did go watch very interesting movies like Sorry to Bother You. We saw Black Klansman. We saw Star is Born. We saw Spider-Verse. So we've been like kind of keeping up more like throughout the year instead of like just now. Right. So I feel like I've seen most of the ones I'm interested in throughout the year. Oh, we didn't see like Green Book, The Favorite, Vice. I don't see The Favorite. (laughs) It's gotten a lot of noms. It's so so Oscar, you know, panhandling or pandering (laughs) to the Oscars. Am I right? You're right. It has Emma Stone. <laughs> it's a period piece. <laughs> it's dramatic. <laughs> dramatic. <laughs> so I'm just hoping for uh, Star is Born. I feel bad. Like I've been thinking about my future career in the industry. And if they ever listen to some of these episodes, I'm because the way that I might that talk clueless? bad about like Fox oh, things or, or things that I'm clueless about. No one's right? going to take the time. I think you're right at the end of the day, but you can never be too yeah. sure. So we're not super in the Oscars. We saw a lot of the animated ones, Incredibles 2, mm-hmm. Ralph Breaks the Internet. We've covered a lot of these, except for these big dramas that are nominated. Uh, we've covered a good amount of them, but we're just I'm just not as intrigued. I'm not as excited about these Oscars. I feel like last year I was intrigued. Get Out was there. Lady Bird was really great. Uh, we saw eighth grade this past year, which probably has a nom or uh, I don't know, honestly, maybe s- editing or something. I don't know. So I feel like we've been I've we've kept up with anything interesting throughout the year instead of just figuring it out now. I wonder if eighth grade got best original screenplay. I was thinking that I was wondering. Yeah. I, I, I want to check. It got nominated. I hope so. It did, definitely won best debut director and he mm. beat Bradley for it. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. I love Bo Burnham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think that's all I have to say about today. Me too. Well, we hear things beeping in the background. That means that we've got to go. So until next time, you'll be hearing from us. Do you not know any other Harry Potter songs? No. <laughs>